Welcome to Being Church, a weekly online conversation hosted by ELCA Coaching Ministry with hosts Jill Beverlin, Jason O'Neill, and Tammy Devine. This episode on finances, recorded on March 18th, 2020, features Steve Olschleiger from the ELCA Churchwide Organization. So today, our guest speakers, we have two speakers from the ELCA Churchwide office. One is Steve Olschleiger. He is the coordinator of stewardship programming for the ELCA. And our other guest speaker is Keith Mundy, the programming director for stewardship for the ELCA. So with that, Steve, I'm going to mute myself and turn it over to you. And thank you for being with us today. Okay, good. Uh, So um, in addition to working with uh, Keith and Jill at the ELCA, I also work at my congregation. I'm the uh, uh, director of engagement and generosity at a congregation in North Suburban Chicago. And so uh, this conversation is very real to um, uh, the conversations that we're having at, at my congregation. And in addition to that, uh, prior to working for the ELCA, I've uh, spent uh, a good number of years as an entrepreneur. And back in 2009, with the uh, financial crisis that we experienced back then, uh, the small business that uh, I was uh, owning and operating with a partner, uh, we went through an experience where uh, the project that we were working on, uh, the, the foundation pulled the plug on it, and we went from having eight employees to uh, having to uh, go back to just uh, uh, myself and my wife. And all of the uh, stress and anxiety of uh, figuring that out and realizing you're working with friends and colleagues who are uh, depending on you to make the best possible decisions about their their uh, financial uh, realities uh, and uh, you know working through all of that it's all very real to me so um, the good news in all of that is even though that that particular time was an incredible time of uh, of stress and anxiety in the end everything did work out uh, not just for my my wife and myself but for all of my colleagues uh, they all ended up uh, finding other opportunities and and uh, things have worked out and i think that as a as a person of faith that's the kind of hope that i like to bring to all things that in the end uh, god finds a way to make things work out and as richard Rohr says if they don't seem to be working out well it's not the end yet um so um as Joe was saying, no easy answers. I have a feeling I'm probably not going to tell you anything that you didn't know already, but I still think that this is a valuable exercise. One of the things that happened recently at our congregation, just uh, an awareness of the incredible uh, burden that uh, our pastor was shouldering trying to figure all this stuff out, and, and uh, a big decision had to do with what do we do about worship? Do we go ahead and have worship? There were no uh, directives at that point that we shouldn't have worship, even though uh, our society was moving in the direction of saying uh, no large gatherings. And so what do you do? And um, one of the things that our pastor did, he got a group of of, uh, good thinkers together to say, how do we figure this out? And I could just tell from uh, being there at at that gathering how that helped him Uh, to sort of say, this isn't the decision that you need to make on your own, but this is a decision that we make together. And by talking through this, uh, we get to 
a better outcome that's our decision, not just the senior pastor's decision uh, with all of the weight of, of trying to, to make that in the best possible way. So I wanted to, before getting into the, the financial stuff, I wanted just to say a few things about process. And one of the things is, uh, I think if you haven't done so already, think about who some key individuals are that you can call together. Uh, maybe it's uh, people who are on council, uh, elected officials in the congregation, others, but a, a panel of folks that can help to uh, sort through all of this stuff. Uh, another thing around the topic of process has to do with uh, embracing the difficult conversations. And uh, there's a, a line of thinking from uh, an organization that's written a book called Crucial Conversations. And what they say is that any organizational health is highly correlated with your ability to hold difficult conversations. And typically we, we don't have them because they're difficult, uh, but that's where we need to go. And obviously with something like what we're going through now, there's plenty of material for difficult conversations. So try to find ways to have those even though they're uncomfortable. Uh, going through the different options, especially with people who don't always have the same perspectives and opinions, that's how we get the best possible decisions. Even if we end up in the same place that we started, social science has proved that going through the process of vetting our ideas with other people gets us to a place where ultimately the quality of our decisions is better. Also along the line of process, if you haven't already identified some sort of a platform like what we're using now, Zoom, uh, get something and start using it. Uh, I'm not sure in this day and age, given the call to not get together face-to-face, -to -face, uh, how you, I guess, just the standard phone, but uh, something like a Zoom account, it's $15 a month. And uh, if you have a smartphone, whether it's uh, Apple or Android, you can download the app. You can download uh, the app for uh, tablets or uh, desktop. There's all sorts of options, but uh, I think it really is the time to get set up and think about, you know, do you have a camera? Do you have a microphone? How are you going to use this? Because uh, this is quickly becoming the go-to standard for bringing people together for council meetings, for finance meetings, for all sorts of meetings. So I would strongly encourage that. Uh, and last thing I wanted just to say about this idea of, of process is that we need both critical thinking and we need hope, and we need those two together, right? And uh, critical thinking without hope leads us to cynicism, and we certainly don't need that. But hope without critical thinking uh, is not good either, and that leads us to something like naivete. And so how do we find the sweet spot as people of faith where we bring together both hope and critical thinking uh, to get the best possible outcome? In terms of the financial stuff, um, here are some things that I thought about. Uh, starts with cash flow and our expectation of what cash flow is going to be. I I'm guessing we're on the call because we're more uh, concerned about negative cash flow uh, that expenses are going to be exceeding uh, income or revenue, and then what do we do about that, right? Uh, and so identifying what does that look like, uh, and where are the gaps, and what are the timing issues, and then sort of going through the various uh, components that make up the cash flow to say, you know, on the income side, 
uh, what is our income looking like? And do we have online giving? And I think uh, Jason and Keith are gonna mention some things about opportunities for online giving. Is that correct, Joe? Yeah, okay. And uh, so I'm not gonna get into that, but obviously if people can't come to church, you wanna have other ways that they can participate in giving and reminding them uh, of, of those opportunities. One of the things that I think we want to be careful about, and this is something that we've talked at my congregation, is what is the narrative that we're uh, putting out for people? If we're saying we're closed because we're not doing worship, um, how, how does that sort of motivate and inspire people to continue to support what the church is doing? As opposed to saying, just because we're not worshiping doesn't mean we're closed. We're doing church differently. We're looking for other opportunities to be church. Uh, and at this particular time, because of the constraints, we, we're not doing worship in the same ways, but that doesn't mean we're closed. The church is not closed, okay? And so um, one of the things that we've toyed with there even is to say, what does it look like to say there would be certain times during the week where the sanctuary will be open, not for an organized worship experience, but for the sanctuary to be used for personal time of prayer and meditation. And uh, if you come in and use the building during that time, then, you know, maintain your proper social distance. But there'd also be a chance for you if you have an offering to drop it off at that time. And uh, we did that this past Sunday. We recorded a worship experience, but we said the sanctuary would be open we had a number of people who stopped by and brought checks with them to continue to give their offering to our congregation. So uh, promoting the online giving, promoting automated giving. This is a chance where if you can get people to say, all right, uh, here's my plan for my giving. I wanna give this much every week, every month. Uh, lift up those opportunities uh, and remind people about that. Another thing, is the whole idea that uh, so much of stewardship really has to do with relational capital of leaders and how we inspire people about the ministry that we're in together and how those ministries make a difference and especially in times of uh, challenge and adversity. And so thinking about the relational capital that we all have, the, uh, the people that we know, people who have resources, uh, even in, in this time of financial constraint, who could step forward in in ways if they were invited and uh, uh, challenged and inspired to do so. So part of that then again is continuing to remind people uh, of the difference that the congregation makes and the ways that in these times you're working to find new ways uh, to continue making a difference. So those were the things that I thought of on the income side of things. On the expense side of things, uh, there are the, the opportunities to trim expenses. Where will the savings be? And so going through your uh, profit and loss statement uh, and, and looking at the areas, and of course those are gonna lead to some uncomfortable um, sort of uh, thought experiments. Um, another thing related to expenses is what expenses can be pushed out to uh, some point in the future? Uh, I know at our particular congregation, we were looking at doing some different repairs on the building. We've said, okay, well, we don't really need to do that right now. Uh, actually, we had a conversation going about refinancing our mortgage, 
And even though that was gonna save us money, there was a refinancing fee that was pretty significant. And we said, you know what? Um, we don't need to spend that money on a refinancing fee right now. Let's hold on to that cash. We can always refinance somewhere down the road. So what are the possibilities for different kinds of expenses to be pushed out further into the future where you're not gonna to have to deal with them uh, immediately? In terms of assets, thinking about any sort of reserve funds that you have and how those could be used for these particular contingencies. So if you do have a, a, a deficit in your cash flow, what kinds of uh, reserves do you have that could be deployed at this particular time? Even restricted funds that could be, I'm not saying use restricted funds for things that are totally different than what they were restricted for, uh, although uh, congregations do that if they have some sort of plan or method to pay those back, but even to say, well, what, what, were, the, uh, what were the expectations for these funds when they were made restricted, and might we be able to find ways to use those that still meet those restrictions uh, but would allow us to um, uh, handle some of our expenses that we need to handle in the near term. And then in terms of liabilities, the thing that I was thinking about, opportunities for short-term lines of credit, uh, whether that would be through uh, uh, some sort of a banking relationship that you have or uh, members of your congregation, uh, the, the goodwill that you've used, the social capital that you've established with people uh, to be able to have some sort of uh, borrowing mechanism, again, to get through sort of the, sh the short-term uh, cash flow uh, issue. So those were the thoughts that, that I had. And um, again, I'm uh, guessing that none of these things are, are things that you haven't thought of, but uh, I think to the extent that you can get a group of people together, your best thinkers, and start looking through this stuff, uh, I think you'll uh, come up with some options and it won't be something that uh, any one person will have to uh, bear the, the, the burden, uh, the weight of all of that by yourself. Steve, thank you so much for, for sharing. I'm going to invite our colleague Jenny McClelland to unmute and share any questions that might be coming up in the chat section. No questions at this time. Okay. All right. Great. So Steve, thank you for sharing. Um, at this point, we're going to turn the floor over to our colleague Keith Mundy. Before we do that, Jill, um, we just had one question pop up. Um, anyone know if Mission Investment Fund or others will be having different short-term loan options? What are our resources within the church? I don't, know that, I don't know that we have anyone from Mission Investment Fund on the call today, but they do have significant resources, and they are looking at making... Um, uh, some new options available, at least they had planned to this spring. I'm not sure exactly what that schedule is. We would have to check with them on that. Thank you. Right, and that, that's both Mission Investment Fund, but also the credit union as well. ELC Credit Union also is making, uh, so for example, Credit Union was looking to offer home mortgages starting this, uh, starting this spring. Uh, they've made car loans available starting last fall, I believe. So we're, we've got a number of places uh, of, of different ways that those two institutions are trying to make themselves available to, uh, to their members.
All right. So, Jill, you'd like me to, to say a few words about, uh, about uh, online giving? That, that would be fantastic. And as we yeah. weave into that, I just want to read out loud something that Mary Morrow just put in the chat area, um, that she just learned that through TechSoup, you can register for a Zoom account, and it's 50% off for nonprofits. That's a, that's a tremendous gift at this time. Um, Zoom has been one of our most stable platforms that we've been able to use, uh, especially during this time. So just wanted to draw everyone's attention to that. So Keith, yeah, the floor is yours for the next. Well, thank you. I'll take a few minutes uh, to, to talk about that. Uh, some of you know that, that online giving um, in various formats has been available for a number of years uh, to congregations. And uh, we currently have uh, two preferred vendors. Uh, these are companies out of a long list that we identified as being uh, what we might call strategic partners as we look towards the near and the long-term future because we think they offer um, uh, safe, secure, um, good services, good customer service to congregations. And that's, our, that's Tithely, uh, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y out of uh, California and um, Vanco out of Minneapolis. And Vanco being the company that that uh, formerly managed Simply Giving, which was simply the name for a process that had, was that's owned by Thrivent, and so those are the two different organizations they've work, we've worked with. Let me just say a few broad things about the concept of online giving and, and giving in total. So, some of you might be familiar that uh, in the big picture, um, each year ELCA congregations receive somewhere between 2.5 and 2.7 billion with a B uh, dollars in their uh, in their offering plates or through other kinds of gifts to congregations 2.5 to 2.7 billion about 1.7 billion of those dollars are what we would call regular offering the offerings that come in to support the regular ongoing ministry of the congregation and what we've been uh, trying to track is so how has online giving been growing as we look over time and we would see if we were to go back um, five years ago, uh, we would see that there were many fewer companies that were that were in that business offering that service, and that number has grown to well over fifty companies right now that that offer uh, a service of processing uh, gifts online. Uh, again, Tidely and Vanco are the two that we work with. Uh, in the case of uh, of the ELCA. Based on information that we have both from, from Tidely and Vanco, uh, we have about 9,300 congregations, and we have somewhere around 1,200 to 1,300 of those congregations who work with either Tidely or Vanco. We would expect there are probably another 1,000 or so congregations that work with other service providers, so that puts us somewhere in the range of 2,500 congregations that are using online giving. In, uh, uh, from some service provider, but that's still less than a third of our total congregations. So just kind of keep that in mind, approximately or an estimated two thirds of our congregations have not been actively using that. The other piece for us to keep in mind is how many households in a congregation typically are using uh, online giving. And so there's a number there that we, uh, at least through some, some calculations, is estimated that the average in the congregation is about 20 households, okay? So now if we take a look at that number, and we'd say 20 households times 2,500 uh, congregations, so that's uh, about 50,000, 
And so we have, we have a lot of households because there are in the ELCA uh, approximately uh, 1.4 million, 1.4 million, 1.3 million households, okay, of which 50,000 do online giving. So it suggests there's a, there's a, a strong area for growth here, okay, a strong area for growth. And that's, that's part of what, what we are trying to encourage congregations and particularly uh, with recent developments to, to begin uh, making sure this is available to people in their congregations. And it doesn't not seem to make a difference whether we're talking about younger or older uh, households. And both of them participate uh, in online giving. Uh, we have seen congregations who have typically not offered it. And when they started to offer it, they found that the giving from younger households tended to increase because they were not giving in cash or check. And this gave them a, a way to, to grow their giving. And that had a significant impact on some congregations. But overall, it is something that for all age groups is, is starting to grow and get traction. Um, let me stop right there and see if there are any questions uh, that anyone might have about, about what I've shared so far. Thank you, Keith. This is Jenny McClellan. We have a yes. question about administrative costs. Could you speak to that for both Tidely and Vanco? Okay. So, yes, let's let's talk about that. So, there are um, there historically have been uh, a couple different kinds of fees. One is a uh, a monthly fee. One has been a uh, a transaction fee, and one has been a percentage of uh, of contribution fee. Okay, in the case of Vanco and Tithely, both of them, uh, effective with their agreements, uh, waived the monthly fees. So there is no monthly fee to participate with either of those uh, services. And then uh, each of them, uh, there's there's two different ways the other fees apply. Apply if there's an online gift, an online gift uh, uh, is typically there is a percentage that is charged and that percentage is very similar for for each of them about two point about two point two five two point three percent per of the of the transactions value of the transactions value and that's pretty common it's it's higher with american express but generally visa mastercard it's going to be, be in that range now what to keep in mind as a congregation is to to note that uh we suggest, and this is a common practice, that the donor be given the opportunity to pay that fee. To say, when you make a contribution of $100, you pay the fee of 2.2% additional $2.20. Now, and what should be noted there is the majority of the time, the majority of the time, the donor does pay that fee. <clears throat> so if we go through and look at the total number of transactions, and we look at what percentage of those transactions that the donor pays the fee, it is the majority. In fact, in some cases, it approaches 60 to 70% of the time the donor pays that, pays that fee. So the actual cost to the congregation, if the donor pays 50% of the time, the actual cost of the congregation is really only 1.15 or 1.1% of what the total uh, value is of those contributions. And so that's that portion of the fee. Now, if you are a congregation that has what are called ACH, or these are the paper transactions where people sign up, and the congregation becomes involved with the administration, uh, there is a separate, there's a different fee structure for that, which is so much per transaction. And that number is, um, is, is a fairly small number. Now, to recognize also that um, 
uh, Vanco has also what is called grandfathered pricing, which means some of our congregations have been Vanco customers for a long time, as in 20 years. And some of that, the pricing that that, that congregation has had has been grandfathered over that 20 years. And so that pricing may be better than what the current market price is or list price. And so it is something to take a look at to say, I want to know what my true cost is. I probably should call and talk to Vanco and see what my cost is right now. Those of you who use Vanco, and by the way, we have about about uh, almost 4,000 of our ELC congregations use Vanco. Uh, one of the reports you have access to on the Vanco report menu there is something called a product volume report. And in that product volume report, you can go in and find out what are the dollar values of the transactions for each of the different kinds of ways of giving. So whether that's, whether that's uh, ACH or whether that's uh, mobile or whether that's on a web page, whatever it is, it will go through and tell you how much volume you have in your congregation. That will give you an idea of how much do we have, how much electronic giving do we have right now? And whether that's text or whether that's on, on, a, on, a, uh, uh, on your website, whether that's from a laptop, whether that's from a mobile phone, breaks that all down for you to give you an idea of, what, of what that, uh, where that comes from. That same kind of information uh, is available from Tithely, uh, but I'm still working with them on the format of that report to be able to, to, uh, to say what's the format of that report and how easy is it for uh, our ELCA uh, users to be, get access to that, to be able to monitor how is their online giving doing. And that's something I'm working with, uh, with uh, Tithely on right now because we're trying to take a look at what the trends and what the patterns are. Just as an example, um, uh, I can tell you as we've kind of looked at some numbers recently that if we take a look at what is um, what uh, Vanco currently calls their Give Plus product, which is their mobile app, their online, their text, their swipe card, their kiosk, all that kind of giving. In our ELCA congregations, uh, the numbers through December of 2019, just a few months ago, were 70 seven zero percent higher in 2019 than they were in 2018 70 percent higher that suggests there are congregations that are shifting and are doing more online giving more online giving so that we see that as a growing area we expect that trend to increase generally speaking though uh, elca congregations tend to give a lower percentage of their giving online than some other denominations. And we're trying to increase that, that number. Keith, Across I'm going there, to see if there's some questions. Yeah, we do have a lot of questions and we also are fairly late into our time together. I know that some people have put questions in the chat area and right. I am going to capture these questions and hopefully have either you or Steve O respond to them That's and fine. send them out via That's email. Fine. I'd like to give an opportunity for um, our participants to break out into their rooms and have a chance to talk in a smaller group. Those of you that put questions in the chat area and have not been able um, to hear answers to them, I encourage you to bring them up and see if there's a, a wisdom of the whole as you gather together. Um, facilitators, you know what you are um, um, asked to do to facilitate the con conversation.